Hi, welcome to Financial Planning Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, and I'm here also with uh, my guest host, if you will, is one of my associates, Kyle Ryan. Thanks for joining me, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Uh, he's another one of the uh, Certified Financial Planners in our office. Um, of the areas of financial planning, um, you know, we like to be educational, and, and the one area that we're going to talk about today, and I'm really, really excited uh, for our guest today, is on investment planning, and we're going to talk a lot about what's going on in the economy, in the markets uh, today. And my guest today is Herb Morgan. Uh, Herb is the founder and the chief investment officer of Efficient Market Advisors, a company that's been around since 2004, uh, subsequently was bought out in 2017 uh, by Cantor Fitzgerald. Um, some may know as unfortunately they were located in the tower, I believe, uh, and I'll leave it at that. Um, but. Uh, Herb's been around for a while. He's got 34 years experience in the investment management world prior to founding his company. Uh, he worked at Dreyfus and also was the uh, advisory, president of advisory services at LPL. Anyway, uh, with no further ado, uh, welcome Herb. Thank you for joining my show today. Mike, Kyle, it's great to be with you. Thank you very much. So tell me a little bit about my, yourself, uh, myself, no I'm kidding, um, <laughs> more than what I just told you. Tell me a little bit about your background. I understand you've done I a lot I, of shows with CNBC and, and a, a lot of different shows. So have at it. Well, look, I, I love investing and I love markets. And, you know, whether I was employed or not, I would be doing this. You know, I know that uh, as long as they'll have me, I'll do it at a very early age. I love the markets, I was fascinated by it. I am a passionate, passionate believer in, in capitalism and our, our economy and our system and the way that we have ownership of the means of production in the hands of the people. Uh, so, you know, I think if you're gonna be good at something, you've gotta have a passionate passion for it. And, and I do and have since I was a small child. Good, well, you know what? I have the same passion myself and you know, I got into the industry as a second career, um, 12 years after I graduated college. But uh, interestingly enough, um, you know, I always had the passion in my first career and finally made the decision to move away doing the financial planning. But as you know, investments represent a portion of the financial planning. So um, I don't think there's ever a time that you can say we're in unique times, but we are in unique times right now. Um, and I'd like to be able to spend some time today and have you share your thoughts on not just the markets, but a lot on the economy and what's driving things. And, you know, we're going to touch upon uh, the world events that are coming up, coming up. No, unfortunately, the world events that we're in the middle of that will continue to come up. That's on the face of the news. And obviously that's Afghanistan. Um, but what I'd like to, to talk about is over the course of the past year and a half, we've been dealing with the pandemic. And that has created rather interesting impacts to the markets. Would have never expected to finish out last year in the positives. In fact, positive double digits was never in the realm of expectations. But looking at right now, um, I think the biggest headline, which is the truth, and it's lurking out there, is inflation. Can you share your thoughts on that? I can, you know, there, there are several big headlines 
I think that inflation has been for the last 90 days, the big headline, but I'm already seeing very significant signs that it is waning. Um, if you look at the big CPI increase that we've had over the last year, uh, which exceeds the Fed's 2% core PCE target, it is in about 10% of the categories that comprise the CPI. And it, those 10% are all associated with reopening of the economy. So whether it's airline tickets or used cars, et cetera, that's accounting for 75% of that gain. The other 25%, half of it is gasoline alone. If you haven't noticed, <laughs> I don't know what it is in Pennsylvania, but I paid $5 yesterday for, for unleaded gas here in oh San Diego. Well, that's, so that's, a, that's, that's the price you pay for living in paradise, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So when you look at the futures, the commodities contracts, if you, I go into my Bloomberg terminal here that's surrounding me at the moment, the, the commodities contracts have already rolled over. Really? And then I believe the pricing pressure on the other items is going to wane. And the market truly believes that because the 10-year Treasury is still at 125. Inflation expectations for five and 10 years are still trading just above two. Really? I, I, I have my old uh, whip inflation now buttons from the Ford administration. They say W-I-N. I have them ready. I am ready to put on, <laughs> but it's not time yet. I think we'll be okay on the inflation side. Interesting. You know, it's very interesting because I'm glad you pointed out that the futures are doing that because, you know, I think the Fed has been saying that this is transitory. And from my perspective, I'm looking at it transitory. Well, if we're looking year over year, of course, because at this time last year, we were smack dab in the middle of the pandemic and prices were low because demand was low. We are running inflation more recently because of supply problems. And that raises the next question that I'd like to ask you, but um, we're seeing this across the board in the economy, um, demand issues and supply problems. And I talked to my brother who owns, um, he does granite installations, so he's to a great extent in the construction industry, and he's running into deliveries of materials that normally are four to six weeks are now 24 weeks, which is just propagating itself through. Builders can't finish their job if he can't finish his job because he can't get the supplies. So I just see this as a clog in the economy. Can you shed some light on that? Well, your, your, your brother is, is emblematic or symptomatic of a, of a bigger problem. It's the same in almost every industry uh, across the board. We've been through many recessions, but we've never had a recession like this where we've, we, we contracted supply. It's always been, hey, we lack aggregate demand. Let's stimulate the economy. Let's do this Keynesian fiscal stimulus where we build a bridge or a road or something like that. We didn't do that. We literally forcefully and violently cut off economic activity. There was no blueprint for that. It had never been done before. And then we, t we told everybody in the economy, oh, we're sorry about that, so we're going to give you money. <laughs> so we're going to give you money to spend on stuff, but we're not going to have factories open to make stuff. 
so now this is this this is what inflation is, right? Too much money chasing too few goods and services. And every time, if you look back the last three or four recessions, when you come out of a recession, you have a huge backlog of orders and you have very low inventory. That's why your economy grows faster coming out of a recession. This particular recession was the shortest of the last few. The backlog in orders is by far the highest and the inventory level is by far the lowest. So if you combine, if you say backlog of orders is demand, it's extremely high. The inventory is supply, it's extremely low. You have a recipe for an absolutely booming period of economic growth, provided we don't go to another round of shutdown or we don't legislate away some of our success, which is becoming more likely by the day as some of the stuff moves through the house and possibly goes to the president for signature. Well, what you're talking about of an enormous amount of demand and a limited supply is the fundamental cause of inflation, as you pointed out. Do you see an end to this? I mean, is, would you say that the supply problem is driven by labor or is there more to it? And when do you see this ending? It, it, it's both. And there is more to it than, than labor. I mean, the labor problem fixes itself the unwillingness to work problem because you have an incentive not to for some members of our economy, that goes away in the next 30 to 45 days uh, because the supplemental unemployment benefits from the federal level will go away. In fact, many states terminated them ahead of schedule because they want to get their citizens back uh, to work. The I supply chain problem, uh, much of it is very short term. We have uh, shipping ships and shipping containers out in the port of Los Angeles and up in the Bay Area, uh, all up and down the coast of the country, waiting and waiting and waiting to be uh, admitted and then unloaded and then distributed. So that will work itself out. The beautiful thing about capitalism, it always finds a way when there's a profit motive, somebody figures out a solution. I've talked to my contacts in the supply chain industry they feel we're months or quarters at the most away from sort of figuring that out. There's also longer term supply issues that are going to take a lot more. So you've got the biggest one is is computer chips. So, yeah, um, as a nation, we, we for 35 years, all we wanted to do was get energy independent. Well, congratulations. We did it. <laughs> we're energy independent. And, and now, unfortunately, our economy is not driven on energy, it's driven on technology. Uh, and technology requires chips. Automobile manufacturing requires chips. I've been on the waiting list to buy a new Chevy Corvette since January. It's now August 20th. And I haven't even moved off the, the wait list to get to the order list. So they, they're not even, you're literally on the list to get on the list at this point. Uh, and I, and I, might, I might see a vehicle, I might see a 22 model year, but well, it's possible that I have to wait till a 23. Well, I, understand, I understand too. Um, got a client who is the general manager of a car dealership. And he, among others, are talking about how much of a demand there is on the used cars as a direct result of there not being any new cars. And so here it is propagating its way through the system, you know, in and out again. 
So you referenced the labor shortage. How does that impact the chips? Isn't that labor shortage, aren't most of the chips made overseas? They are. So that, that's, uh, the, the labor shortage is in, every, is in a lot of the service industries. The U.S. economy is it's only 15% manufacturing. We're about 85% service oriented. What I do, what you do, uh, restaurants, dry cleaners, you name it, that's services. And we're having uh, just a tremendously difficult time getting people to uh, choose work over non-work with uh, checks. Um, there's a concept called modern monetary theory. There was a presidential candidate last term, time around, Andrew Yang, and he, he believes passionately if, if you just give everybody a check every month, it'll stimulate through the economy as they spend it. Uh, I think what we've now learned uh, is his theory is wrong and it's incorrect in that they, they will spend it. So we've got that part, but then they'll choose not to work. In many cases, if you're at the bottom end of the wage scale, uh, you're working just barely enough to pay for maybe childcare and transportation back and forth to work. You're not really getting ahead. He said, well, gee, I can take care of my own child. I can stay home and not work. And I get a check that's almost as much as I was getting before. I save all the expenses associated with working. There is some of that. Um, I'm also hearing anecdotally, I, I do a lot of work with young people coming out of college and a lot of them saying, you know, we'll, we'll just take another year. We'll take that check and we'll, we'll backpack around and travel and camp and surf and, and have fun. And that's not helping the economy. But how does that answer the chip shortage problem? No, I'm sorry. Yeah, the chip, the chip shortage is because we don't have the manufacturing capacity in the U.S. and we're very, very dependent on Asia. And China and the U.S., I don't want to say are enemies, but they're definitely uh, geopolitical adversaries. And so, to a degree, China is treating us the way OPEC treated us for, for many years as it comes to chips. So we need policy change in the United States. We have all the technology. We have better chips. We invent the stuff. But labor's cheaper overseas. We, we make it overseas in many cases. And we're learning now that that's probably not a good idea. Okay. Well, we're up against break. So if you can um, take a moment, we will be with you in a few more moments. And we'll pick up where we left off. Or we'll be with okay. you in a moment. Have you saved enough for retirement? Are you financially prepared for an emergency or unexpected event? Have you thought about your financial future? Hi, I'm Mike Menninger, founder of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. For over 20 years, we have been answering our clients' questions just like these as we develop unique and comprehensive financial plans tailored to meet their needs. When addressing your financial plan, we incorporate your entire financial picture, including taxes, estate planning, as well as investment planning and retirement planning. So call us today for a complimentary, no obligation consultation. A unique approach to financial planning. Welcome back to Financial Planning Explained with our guest, Herb Morgan. Uh, we spoke a lot in the first segment about the impacts of the economy on the labor shortage and how it's impacting inflation. and since we're talking about current events, that's kind of a 
current phase that we're going in. You seem to think that we're going to be out of this in months or quarters. I prefer months over quarters. <laughs> um, and, and I prefer days and weeks to the next topic. Um, the markets over the past week have suffered a bit, but doesn't sound like it's been a direct result of the problems that we're experiencing geopolitically and in Afghanistan. So the tensions that we're seeing with the overthrow of the Afghanistan government with the Taliban, what, do you, what impact do you see having on the markets? Uh, well, you can see it's been it's been almost none. I mean, so first of all, yes, we've been, we're off about two percent from the all-time highs from a couple of weeks ago, but we wrapped up earnings season. We had the best earnings season of my career. We had year-over-year earnings growth of about ninety-five percent. <laughs> Think wow. about that, ninety-five percent. We were coming off of COVID shutdown, yeah, yeah. but the estimates were for about sixty-four percent. So. The, the numbers were across the board better than expected. Top line, bottom line, we're pushing through the price increases. We didn't see a negative impact from inflation. So I think it makes sense after a big run up that you get a couple of percentage off. If you think about the Afghanistan situation, I think there are geopolitical strategic reasons that the U.S. has had an interest there for the better part of a couple decades. But from an economic perspective for us, the total country, the GDP of Afghanistan is about $22, 23000000000 billion. <laughs> right? So you put that in perspective. I live in San Diego County, just one county in the United States. The GDP of our county is almost 10 times that. It's $210 billion. So Afghanistan is a poor third world country comprised of of mostly uneducated people, it, it's not going to have an impact on your investors' portfolios uh, unless, of course, we end up getting drawn into uh, some sort of a, of, of a war and then there's an economic impact of, of a war, as we all know. Yeah, that's what I was more concerned with, and it's kind of funny, too. Um, I heard some stat, stat about Afghanistan. I think 70% of its revenues were for donations from other countries. So it just goes to show. But, you know, fact of the matter is, is, you know, what we're hearing is that, you know, we pulled out and China and Russia have expanded their presence and becoming big friends. And geopolitically, it's, it's a location for us to keep tabs on the Middle East, which, you know, it's very political, but it's also political not from inside our borders, but from across the world. And certainly we don't want to see anything happened. Did you want to have, you have any Yeah, Herb, uh, you mentioned something that I thought was particularly interesting. We just had our best earnings season of your entire career. I'm just curious, you know, we're a couple weeks from all-time highs. Where do we go from here? What are the things that could propel us either further down or propel us up? Well, you know, um, my, the great philosopher Bluto Blutarski once said, it ain't over till we say it's over. And, <laughs> and, and by, by that, I'm referring to the Federal Reserve. So yep. everything comes down to the Fed. Don't yep. fight the Fed. Follow the Fed. I just tell people, if you really want to know directionally what's happening in the market, your best bet is to, is to, is to every day there's a Fed member who gives a speech. It seems like almost every day. <laughs> they all get on message, and they've all been saying the same thing for some time. First of all, we are going to provide liquidity, 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 
by keeping rates near zero. The second thing, we're going to provide even more liquidity by buying treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. We buy $80 billion a month in treasuries, $40 billion a month in mortgage-backed securities. That is highly stimulative policy. That being said, they've also been very clear they're going to reduce those asset purchases starting this year. And then probably when they're done, they stop buying. Then the next move is to start raising interest rates. Monetary science has improved greatly over the last couple of decades. We've gotten really, really good at not causing recessions by raising interest rates. So I, I feel like, okay, the risk-free rate of return is the U.S. 10-year Treasury, right? It pays 1.25. That's 80 times earnings or 80 times cash flow, right? 100 to So it's 80 years, right? It's 80 times. Until you get your money back. Yeah. Uh, stocks, the S&P 500, is going to earn $200, $210 a share over the next year according to the estimates. Higher, yeah. it's a 2.1% versus 1.25%. It's almost It's almost 4.5% earnings yield versus 1.25. You're right. getting paid to own stocks. So we call it the TINA effect. The only, or there, there is no alternative. T right, that's right, that's right. I've heard that before. Yeah. That's interesting. So that we've heard a lot of, you know, I just think about um, the taper tantrum which is a terminology that was used back in, I think it was May of 2013, where um, the Fed announced that it is thinking about the possibility that it may consider slowing down its buyback at some point in time in the future, and bang, the markets got smoked, the bond markets got smoked. That's the thing that concerns me out there, is that the Fed's going to make that announcement. Do you foresee yeah. that? Or do you think that they learned their lesson from um, eight years ago? I don't see it happening this time because when, when it happened in 2013, the market told the Fed uh, that's too soon. The market is the most efficient thing in the world, right? Our financial markets are so liquid. They tell you the story. So the Fed kind of backed off and kind of came back a little later. The Fed is waiting far longer into the recovery phase than it ever has. Just but just look at the inflation numbers, right? The Fed is is saying, okay, we saw what happened in 13. We're going to go longer before we taper and we're going to announce it and we're going to over communicate versus 2013. Right. So and there's a uh, function on my Bloomberg terminal here called Fed speak and I type it in every morning and it says who's speaking that day. And then they summarize the comments or you can watch the actual speech. And to a person, the Fed voting governors are, uh, are, are pretty consistent. They're looking for jobs to get back to where they were. We had about 163 million people employed. We're at about 154 million people now. So we still have about a seven or eight million jobs deficit. One governor, Lael Brainerd, even says, I want it back to trend. I want it even higher before I want to back off. So I don't think the Fed is going to surprise anybody this time. I don't think the market will have that, that taper tantrum. Okay. I do think, and I am a little more concerned about the possibility of a $3.5 trillion package, which has some very, very detrimental uh, tax, implica uh, tax implications to the economy and potentially to people's portfolio. That, 
And I'm more worried now than I was, say, a month ago about that situation. Well, what are the tax? I'm familiar with some of the tax things they're throwing out. Are you talking about the over a million dollars they're going to take capital gains and make it ordinary income? Uh, is that the concern you have? Or the, I can't yeah. imagine. Yeah, that, that's a big one. Um, th first of all, three and a half trillion dollars. This is, you know, that's a massive massive size relative to the size of our economy. So it becomes inflationary and you have the potential to have government spending crowd out the private sector. Private sector has a remarkable track record of meeting the needs of people. Uh, that's the natural flow of the marketplace. And you're, not, you're going to have to you know, raise debt limits, raise that capital gains tax rate to ordinary income, as you said, uh, I, I'm hearing talk uh, it could be as low as 500,000, above 500,000 now, as opposed to a million. Oh, really? And they're also talking about taking up that one great tax advantage that I'm sure you deal with as a financial planner, and that is the step up in the cost basis. Right, at death. That's correct. Spouse. I mean, that's, that's tremendous planning that we have to deal with as advisors, as yes. planners to our clients. And, and it's, it's a tricky little thing because a lot of times, you're doing uh, tax planning, investment planning, estate planning, retirement planning, all at the same time. And oftentimes, you intentionally leave highly appreciated assets with some of your elderly clients. And this could blow out some of our planning that we've been doing over the years. And trust me when I tell you, I look at this Afghanistan thing and hope that at least this can maybe kick this down the road a little bit because one of the things is I've got a few situations where uh, clients would be impacted because they're talking about if they make these tax law changes, they're going to make them retroactive to, was it like April 28th? It was either April, April or May 28th. when April, what's that? Yeah, April 28th. Right. So um, we're wrapping up here. Uh, real quick, your, our concern is are the markets a little too frothy right now? And our concern is looking at the higher PE stocks, you, you took a little of the inflation fears, which then would impact interest rates, which would subsequently impact the high PE stocks. How do you feel about that? Do you feel that the markets are frothy or do you feel as though the earnings support the markets where they're at? I believe that I believe the earnings really support it. I think we're susceptible to a five to 10% correction. We always are. I think we're particularly susceptible as we move into September because of, well, this legislation, quite frankly. This, this legislation concerns me. It could be the thing that causes the market and to go risk off temporarily. I think the administration, I wish, I wish them the best and greatest of success and luck. I want every administration to be successful. But I think that the poor execution on the Afghanistan thing has has given market you know markets need rules right we need to know that people in charge are doing a good job and are capable and competent so there is a concern there barring that more than 10 percent i really don't see it if this legislation gets through though so if this gets through and, and right now they only need two more senators you're looking at uh, cinema and um i think it's manshine the last two you throw in the, the uh, vice president and you've got the 51 and they do it through a reconciliation process, um, then I think the markets could, could, could take a little bit bigger hit. Uh, we always adjust. We always adapt. Well, Herb, I thank you very much. This has been absolutely fantastic. My biggest...
disappointment today is that we're out of time already. Um, what I'd like you to do is, is just give a little blurb on yourself. Give yourself a 20-second commercial if you don't mind. You know, if anybody sure. wants to reach out and wants to learn about your company or something like that, just give me a quick blurb and I'll come back and, and close out the show. Great. If you, if you like, if you want to hear my thoughts and views on the economy and the market, I put it out every Monday on a podcast. It's called Slaying Bulls and Bears. You can say, hey, Google, play Herb Morgan's podcast or hey, Siri, play Herb Morgan's podcast. It will do that. Uh, our website is efficient-portfolios.com. Uh, we don't manage money for the general public. We manage money for financial uh, planners and advisors so uh, people can get to us through folks like you. Thank you very much, Herb. Thank you. Herb, that was absolutely a terrific episode that we had today and very timely. I look forward to uh, seeing it again and probably seeing it again yet. Um, would love to have you back sometime if, if you're willing to come back. Um, but this is absolutely fantastic. And for the viewers, I hope you enjoyed uh, this interview with Herb today. Um, as you know, investment planning represents one of the areas of financial planning. While it's an important component, all of them are integrated and work together. You can't forget the tax planning and the retirement planning. But thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Have a wonderful day and the rest of your week.